then is, is you lead in life. I want my life to be a refreshment to the souls of others. I want people that spend time with me to say, I want to join you in this journey because it is life-giving to see what God is doing and be a part of that. Jeff Kaiser and his wife, Trisha, founded Camp Sunshine in 2006 on Trisha's family farm just south of Lincoln, Nebraska. Camp Sunshine has grown from 15 campers in a field with a tent to three locations with pools, gyms, dorms, and meeting spaces where over 3,500 kids are impacted each year. Under Jeff's leadership, Camp Sunshine has not only impacted lives locally, they've trained hundreds of summer staff members from nearly a dozen countries. They've taken the camp experience on the road through a partnership in Mexico for 11 years, and they're taking a site visit to Zambia this spring to explore a potential new partnering opportunity. Jeff joins us today to walk through his journey of learning to lead by inviting and inspiring others through his faith and all-out dependence on Christ. Well, Jeff, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks so much. Super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled, brother. And uh, again, I'm, I'm thrilled because and I love doing these. I'm so excited that we decided to do this because... I love to learn about leadership. Like I want to be a better leader. I think about that proverb. What does it say that like iron sharpens iron? So one man sharpens another, right? So as iron sharpens iron, one leader sharpens another leader. I get a chance to know you and, and love you and, and serve you and with you. But today we've never really dove in and talked mano y mano on leadership before. So I'm super excited about today. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, just even kind of thinking through this process and reflecting on my own leadership journey. I mean, that was, yeah, I, I think how, how rarely I'll, I'll sit and think why I lead the way I do. And so this was just a really good catalyst for me to even process what's God doing in my heart, where he's leading me, how is, how's this played out? So hmm. I'm excited. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I remember years ago, I was listening to this guy who was a, a guy in ministry, large, large, large international ministry, strong leader. And he was one that reflected on his leadership and would write on it and speak on it, which was super helpful for all of us out that were able to intake it. I just remember years ago, he just made this comment that very few leaders stop and reflect on their leadership. So this process is, yeah. doesn't happen always. Leaders are too busy leading right, <laughs> and doing what they do. We often don't stop and reflect. So yeah, no, I hear you on that one. Let's dive straight in in the leadership. And first question, when you think about leadership, do you have a kind of a working definition that you've kind of processed through and kind of utilize? Yeah. You know, I think over the years, I've just been a, I don't know, leadership book junkie. I've read <laughs> a lot of stuff, went to conferences and listened to things. And, you know, there's the... I, I fully agree, you know, with leadership being influence, because um, at the end of the day, that's that's what's happening. Right. Um, I know for me, I think in the context of, of my camp ministry, we train a lot of uh, second tier leaders to lead our summer teams. Um, and so it's for a very specific context. And so, you know, I always talk to them that, you know, your your job as, as a leader is to do whatever it takes to help your team be successful and reach the goals and visions we've set. And as I think about just in, in life and whether that's leading my family or that's leading an organization, that really rings true for me too. It's like my my job is to do whatever it takes mm. to help my my team, my people be successful in reaching our destination. And so, you know, sometimes whatever it takes isn't me being out front driving it. Sometimes it's me cheering on from the sidelines and pushing them forward. Sometimes it's 
it's pushing them into uncomfortable territory where they don't want to go. And sometimes mm. it's not even like they're, they're wanting to follow There's a resistance of like, are you sure? Are you sure? Like, <laughs> yes, this is, this is the, the, the place we want to go and just really in, encouraging them along. So that's mm. kind of, I think how I've seen that, that play out for me and how I operate. Yeah. So it's interesting as you say that Jeff, because again, I, you, we probably read the same book that talked about influence, right? Probably John Maxwell, right? He talks yeah. about how, how leadership is influenced, nothing more, nothing less. And I get that, but one of the tensions I've had, and when I first read it and beyond, it was, I love the simplicity of it, but yet I go, well, you can have influence, but are you, because there is this part of leading, I mean, you're taking people someplace, right? So, so you can have an influence on people and we even, right, we, that word gets used a lot these days of influencers, they're like social media influencers and they do have an influence, but like, where are they, where are they taking people? Mm-hmm. They're influencing people without taking them anywhere. So I, I like what you're saying there, Like, Yes, it is influence, but it's about taking a team of people someplace to make some type of impact. There's that part of leadership that's influence and doing whatever it takes in that influencing of the team of people to have a productive, some kind of end result. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, you've heard where they talk about, oh, you can, you can influence people in a negative direction. And, you know, right. they just saw these world history, you know, <laughs> leaders that took people down the wrong path. And I get that from they influenced in a direction, but in my mind, like I think, yeah, a leader is moving in a positive, positive. course of, of direction. And if if you're not leading people in a positive way and they're not growing and they're not becoming better or more of who they were created to be, then you're holding them back. You're you're reverting, you're destroying their progress. Um, and so yeah, I think I, I resonate with you on that. Like it's gotta be movement somewhere in a mm-hmm. positive direction. And, and yeah. So Jeff, would you say that, uh, again, this is an age old leadership question, right? So are leaders born or are leaders made? Yes. <laughs> I think. Um, so funny you said that because literally this morning I was like, how would I answer that question? And I, I literally thought to myself, I would say yes. Anyway, but go ahead. I want to hear your Yeah. Thoughts. Well, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I think it's, it's both. It's and it's I you know some people I think are born with a a natural charisma it's a, a whether it's a personality or if you know even a, a gifting on their life to to move people to have a, a vision to to let's go here's 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 the endpoint follow me and people want to follow that person I think they there's certain levels of skill too that they they hone along the way I think there's other people that might be you know outwardly. People are like, well, I don't, are they really a leader? They're so quiet and timid and they don't, you know, they're not in your face, but yet they they hone these skills that get things done and move people and organizations forward. So I, I feel like, it, I know as I, I looked in my life, I feel like the natural things that maybe are, I don't know, I was born with, as I learn and grow more skills, those are able to flourish more. And as I learn more skills, I think I'm able to, um, I don't know, activate parts of me that just might be be inside that are a little more rough. So it, mm. it's kind of like a, a honing of, of that. So I think the more you do it too, just like anything, the more experiences you get. I know my first delving into to really leading people, I had not been in a context of that. And so I get my first group of people to lead, there were things that I screwed up royally, you know, <laughs> you, you, you mess things up along the way. 
But there's also things I think I discovered in myself that I didn't know it was there. Like I just needed an opportunity to see those things come out. Love that answer. Jeff, when would be the first time that you would say, this was my first leadership experience? You know, I can tell you very clearly where I remember telling myself, I'm a follower. I'm not a leader. (laughs) And I was just, yeah, I think growing up, I had an older brother who was 15 months older than me and everything we did, we did together. Mm. He was always steering it. And I remember thinking, why does he always get to decide what we do? Because he's bigger and stronger. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We we do what he says. But I also, I, I was noticing as I was thinking back on this, he would get this idea of like, hey, we should go try this or do this. Hey, well, let's go cross this this icy pond, you know, and, and I'd be like, all right. And so I'd be the first one out on the ice going, you know, and so there's a lot of a lot of experiences from my childhood where, you know, I, I experienced, you know, situations like that. But as I think back on it, because of stepping out, then the rest of our friends and my my siblings would follow me. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as more of a, a formal leadership, I know in high school, I think um, I was involved in marching band and in Indiana, marching band is is huge. It is, um, yeah, it's pretty competitive and stuff and, and high level. And so my uh, band director was in a professional marching band troop before coming to, to teach at the high school. And they really structured our, our band in, in units. And I think that's where I first felt like maybe I had this leadership title where I was over a, a section of the band and I was supposed to lead. And I think from there, I learned a lot that that you, you set an example, like you lead by example. We have a drum major, we have a band director. I have my section and the best way to lead my, my people right now is to be the, the best at what I've been called to do and model the right attitudes, the right behaviors, the right actions that will help us as a whole move forward. So I think it's where I started to really dabble and think about the fact like, wait, I, I am leading and I, I can influence my my peers and my, my team uh, that I'm around. And then really, honestly, in college, as I got to, to work at summer camp for the first time, I mean, that was a crash course in leadership. <laughs> and I've got a group of kids every week that I am I'm responsible to navigate <laughs> the health of this group. Where do we go? What do we do? How do we interact with one another and other groups? And um, it was really a, a time where I was like, okay, I think I'm, I, I got to lead or <laughs> I'm going to get led. You know? Yeah, that's really good. So Jeff, I want to kind of walk through what I've come to kind of call my leadership equation that I've kind of been chewing on throughout a number of probably decades at this point because I'm old. I'm okay with being proven wrong and needing to tweak my equation some here. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I think it, I think it will. So I want to kind of walk through it a piece at a time. And then I'm not looking for you to like to agree to kind of intellectually engage with me on it. I'm looking for you to like tell your story. And specifically, I'd probably say with Camp Sunshine, because that's definitely the biggest leadership expression that correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it's definitely the biggest leadership expression in your life to date. So let's use your whole journey with Camp Sunshine as as the context for the conversation here. So so I'm going to kind of talk through each part of it. And then this, was that true? And how did that look in your leadership and the, the development of Camp Sunshine? Kind of my equation is A plus B plus C plus D, so equals. So first part of the equation for me with leadership starts with discontent or dissatisfaction, whatever word you want to use in that, uh, which was super encouraging to me to me initially when as I began to process leadership and think about that, to just think about how simple, like, oh, like 
kind of a, a leadership expression often, I won't necessarily say, I, I, I almost probably say always, starts with a level of some discontent, dissatisfaction about something. Now, the one thing I kind of grapple with a little bit with, with the words are they sound and feel negative, but I think that discontent or dissatisfaction could be not feel or or consciously feel like or you think of it as dissatisfaction or discontent. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's something different that could happen here in this situation mm-hmm. in my life, <laughs> in the context in which I'm serving, in the world. There's something that more different that could happen, which I would call that dissatisfaction or discontentment with what is. Mm-hmm. So as you think about Camp Sunshine, was there some level of discontent mm-hmm. that drove you to uh, to launch and what eventually became Camp Sunshine? Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I don't know, maybe as I as I think about that, it might maybe I would use for me, maybe the, the word more of like a, a burden or, yeah. you know, I think I got involved in camping ministry because I saw the impact that it had on kids in such a short amount of time uh, to be able to, to truly just get down on their level and connect with them, build enormous amount, amounts of trust and rapport that, you know, f- just open the doors for for life on life and talking about the gospel and just really leading these kids forward. And so I think recognizing that a lot of kids, um, you know, they're, they're not the ones that are always first acknowledged at the grocery store line, right? Or, you know, they're just kids, a lot of times are just tagging along with the, the adults. And and what is what kind of impact does that have? Does a kid feel like, well, I'm not noticed or I don't matter? So for me, it was like, man, camp is a place where it's all about the kid, where we can come in and really get to know you and celebrate you and find out what your unique um, traits and quirks and all that stuff is um, and, and build some relationships in that that context. So that's what drew me to to getting involved in camp ministry when we decided to move here to Nebraska still had that same piece of it. It's like, I want to come and and provide these experiences for the kids here in Lincoln. And at that time, based on some of our kind of initial looking around that, you know, there weren't programs doing things exactly the way that we did it. So I, I saw there was a, a, a hole um, or a need in the community um, for our yeah. type of programming. Um, but also the, the previous camp that I worked at, um, similarly named Camp Sunshine out in Silver Spring, Maryland, you know, it, it gotten very large and big and, and I was one piece of the, the entire puzzle. Um, so I played my role, but you know, you always have these thoughts of like, well, if I ever did this my way, this is how I would do yes. it. Or if I had my own camp, this is what I would do. And there we go. so my wife and I always had these things. So there was that sense of like, why don't we, let's go do this. And yes. we didn't realize, you know, just start a camp, I guess. We just kind of <laughs> started doing it. People were like, I, can you do that? I'm like, I, I guess we we did. <laughs> we're, you know? we're so we were able to kind of build it the way we wanted to, right. um, you know, regards, you know, so. Yeah. I think I hear a number of places where, I mean, it came in both just in general with just the state of kids and, and what was available and not just in, in the, as far as impacting the lives of kids, which again, was that thrust with that got you into camping ministry at the beginning. Uh, it was being at a large camp and like, you know, again, I, I need, I'm, I'm going to play with thinking about a different word because people don't always own it because they're like, well, it feels negative, but there was a discontentment, dissatisfaction mm-hmm. with you being in a large 
camping ministry that you were a piece of, but like the level of influence that you could have on it, I feels like there was more for you that you wanted uh, in a good way. Did you come to Lincoln to start a camp or did you just feel like God led you to Lincoln? And then in Lincoln, you're like, okay, now we're supposed to be in Lincoln for family or whatever reasons. And now let's figure out what we're going to do here. Yeah, it's it's kind of a uh kind of both of those at the same time. I mean, we we felt that it was time to move closer to family. And what were we going to do is like, we loved camp ministry. We've always talked about it. We've always been involved in it. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what else would we do? This is what we're wired for. So, I mean, we right. really moved here with the intent of starting a camp. Right. Because once again, because the other discontent or dissatisfaction was if what was in your heart was already here, you could have just jumped on someone else's staff, right? You could have gone, hey, mm-hmm. they're doing it and there's a space for me and it's awesome. Yeah. But it was like, no, what's inside of me, I'm not satisfied. It doesn't satisfy me the mm-hmm. options that are in Nebraska around where I'm going to live. I would say that even the, the dissatisfaction level of a leader, most of the time is positive because a leader doesn't feel like a victim. A leader always knows at the end of the day, they have the ability to affect in some way, shape or form. They're not just, you know, having to, to accept what is, right? So that awareness of something, a dissatisfaction fuels a leader positively. It doesn't like crater the person negatively in just disgruntledness and, you know, what starts to shift that dissatisfaction to a leadership point is the ability to see, okay, but what's the solution? What's the better thing? So you move from dissatisfaction to vision of like, what could be? Talk about that part in your journey with Camp Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah, we used to, and, and I mean, it still was, we we moved here, you know, just off of that idea of a vision. Um, our, we had a, a friend back in, in Maryland tell us, you know, have a vision so big unless God intervenes, it fails. <laughs> yeah. So if you're thinking through this, this camp, like dream big, what does God mm-hmm. want to do through mm-hmm. you and give it to him? And if he makes us succeed, he gets all the glory. If it, mm-hmm. if it crumbles and fails, then maybe you weren't listening right, or you're trying to do it in your own strength. <laughs> right. I've since, you know, modified my thoughts on that a little bit, just as I've, I've grown and stuff too, to realize, you know, God's always at work around us. And I don't want to approach, you know, my, my visions for camp and say, well, God bless what I want to do. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I think we've always been, okay, what are you doing, Lord? Where do you want us? And how can we join you in that? And so mm-hmm. for us, um, just as a ministry, and it's, it's really been our vision is, really just been this idea of like, okay, Lord, show us what you are doing. What is your vision for our ministry? How do we join you in that? And every time we've, we've approached that, um, that way, he blows us away. He's, he's got <laughs> infinitely bigger plans than I think what our, so our little fine minds are, are, you know, expecting for ourselves. And even when camp started, we thought, oh, we're going to start. We wrote out our business plan and we're thinking, oh, in a, a couple of years, five years, we're going to be up to so many kids uh, in the summer. And, you know, we underestimated what God wanted to do. And by our second summer, we had already surpassed our five-year goals. And we were like, oh, stink. He's There's there's more here for us than what we thought. And so it was really this this faith journey of, okay, Help us see this the way, Lord, that you want us to see this so we can operate in a way that that brings you glory through this, but, you know, accomplishes what you're trying to accomplish here. Um, and so all along our, our camp journey, it's it's been this getting to, to to where we feel like God's leading us and saying, what 
What do you have next? Where where are we going? Where mm. what's what's on your heart? And how do you want us to be a part of that with you? And mm. I think you know God's a, an orderly God. He's not asked us to completely divert and change to a completely different type of ministry. All right. the things He's called right. us to have all been working with children and kids, and even as we have developed as an organization, opportunities really to just encourage and develop and train others to to work with kids um, in a, a similar type environment. So mm. it, it has been for me, like, and I don't know if that's part of the leadership journey, like the vision piece of this is is the fun one. Like mm. I get excited about yeah. what, what could be that's that's not. And yeah. this probably just thinking about it now, I, I do carry a level of of dissatisfaction and but not in a complaining way. It's this no. like it could be better. We could do more with this and we could be more effective and and let's move this forward and invite this person yes. in. It's just the sense of like, how do we maximize the time we have on this earth? Um, I don't want to sit back and just waste away and say, well, look, Lord, here's what I did with my, my handful of talents. It's like, right. I want to multiply. multiply it. Absolutely. Yeah. You make a great point there because it isn't like this dissatisfaction vision relationship ever ends. If it ends, that that person's leadership ends, like you're done leading, right? Because mm-hmm. if, if you get satisfied with where you are as a leader, as an organization, then you're done. Like what you know, if you're satisfied with what it is. So why would you push out into something more and different and take on more and different, right? So there is this consistent yeah. in the heart of a leader that keeps driving them of striving towards the next. And uh, but I, let me back up for though. I, I love what you said about vision in the standpoint of, and it's part of the difference between kind of natural leadership and spiritual leadership, right? So one of those places where they divide. And again, you can have a Christian in name who isn't leading very spiritually. They're they're leading more soulishly. But giving true spiritual leadership isn't about what that leader wants, it's about what God wants, right? Is it what that leader thinks they want to do? It's what God is doing and really joining him in his work, like you said, great uh, experiencing God, you know, concept uh, that he articulated well, right? God is always at work around us and we want to join him in his work. And so receiving from him what God wants to do. And, you know, I think about that, what you said about that um, person in your life who said, create a vision so big that only God can do it. Well, if you receive God's vision for you, that's going to be the size of it. Like God's not going to give you this little (laughs) puny thing that uh, he's going to lead you into something that, you know, eyes not seen, nor ears heard, nor has entered the heart of man. Those things that God has in store for those who love him, trust and follow him, right? That Mm -hmm. God's visions are always God-sized, right? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And they, and they require faith. To say, okay, Lord, if this is what you're you're saying, we're gonna we're gonna step out and do this. And yeah. there's this element you just have to continually be comfortable with being uncomfortable because yeah. you're you're always in this new space of yes. I I don't know how this is coming about, but let's just do it. You know. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so good. God is always at work among us. Mitch, who pastors Carney Grace Church, has a God-sized vision for their 12 acres to serve the broader Carney community, like building an amphitheater or a community greenhouse, big projects on top of their normal rhythms of leading a church. So Mitch was excited to be connected to MyBridge Momentum, which invests in Christian leaders and the organizations they lead. Momentum helped us give leadership to these things that aren't part of our everyday operation, especially projects that could overwhelm you and actually could distract from other aspects of church ministry. 
Momentum helped Mitch and his team implement a robust operating system to execute the day-to-day of church ministry and boldly pursue their God-sized vision. Momentum has helped us stay balanced, knowing that, yes, we're attacking a big project, but we also are caring for our church and continuing to do ministry. And thanks to investors in our ministry, Momentum serves these leadership teams at no cost. Momentum has been just transformational. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without it. It impacted us greatly. And so we're very honored and privileged to be running that race and having somebody pour into us. God is on the move through MyBridge Momentum, accelerating Nebraska ministries and churches like Carney Grace as they identify and fulfill God's kingdom purposes for their ministry. MyBridge Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at mybridgeradio.net. All right, so dissatisfaction plus vision plus influence. Here we go. Here's the influence part. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so you've got to be able to, from a leadership standpoint, you could be dissatisfied with what is. You can have some clarity of what you'd like to see it be where you'd like to see it go. But if you can't get <laughs> move that reality progressively, if you can't be a leading and moving that progress, that reality from what is to what you see it to be, then you're not a leader. Once again, you can have somebody who's got dissatisfaction with what is, has a wish dream of what could be, or what they'd like to see, but they don't have the ability, they don't have the gifting, they don't have the whatever it takes to move themselves or and, and or a group of people or a context uh, from point A to point B. So yeah, talk about that whole influence part of it. Yeah. When we, when we started camp, it was this, this idea of like, okay, we've got a, there's, there's different, different types of people we need to buy into this. You know, we, we got to have parents that say, yeah, let's send our kids to camp. We got to find staff members that say, yeah, I want to invest my, my time and my, my energy into leading um, kids at camp from donors where we need to get people catching our vision that say, I want to be a part of that in, in some way. And so there's all these different aspects of that. You know, I think we, uh, we really just relied on helping people identify with the needs that we were trying to fill, you know, influences can be used. And I think this is probably where a lot of leaders get uh, caught up because you can, you could use a very charismatic personality, uh, a lot of, of skill, and you can manipulate people to follow you. Um, that's not healthy. If God's calling them to be a part of something different, you want to help guide them to where they're being led and what their gifts and abilities can do. And so, you know, we, we found early on, it's like, we've got to talk to a lot of people. We got to get to know them on a relational level to find out like, what are your unique gifts and abilities? How can you use what you've been gifted with to make this ministry come alive? You know, it's people always say, well, what can I do for camp? And we say, well, what, what can you do? What, what do you mm. enjoy doing? What is on your heart? And people rattle off, well, I really like doing this and this. And we're like, you know what? There's a place to do that at camp. Let's maybe look at doing this uh, non-traditional role or whatever. I mean, we had a, a lady years ago was like, well, I, I sew, I love sewing. And we says, well, you know what? We need some curtains in, in one of our, our buildings. She's like, really? And so she came alive, was able to sew curtains for this the space and we were blessed by it because I don't sew, you know, and it, so just helping people get engaged and know that they have um, something to offer. 
Um, and I think, you know, as we, as I think of leading a staff in the summer that has grown from, you know, a couple volunteers to, you know, we're, I think 80 to 90 staff members this summer that we'll have on, um, our summer staff. We, we use this concept, um, and I'm, I'm sure it's not ours. I can't even remember where we got it, but creating, like you can drive people to follow you, um, or you can inspire them to, Mm -hmm. to join you. And so we talk about this idea with, with even kids where, you can create a fence that holds people in to your pasture. You know, it's like, you can't leave, you have to stay here. So you're, you're going to go with us or you can create a, a fountain in the middle and a space that attracts them that they want to come to you. And that works in the idea of working with children and influencing a, a group of kids. But even as, as you lead in life, like I want my life to be, a refreshment to the souls of others. I want people that spend time with me to say, man, this was, this is good. This is refreshing. I just want to, I want to join you in this journey because it is, it's life giving to, to see what God is doing and be a part of that. And obviously there's tons more because there's all kinds of different ways that we can influence and mm-hmm. to move one thing from point A to point B. Let me reflect a couple of things that I heard in what you shared, Jeff. And actually one of them you said before we even started talking about influence, but it, but it really clicked in my brain that you brought to the table from a leadership standpoint is, and it's faith, mm. right? So faith is a way of that influences, right? Without faith, your faith that influenced you, <laughs> your faith influences those around you to risk, to see what you know, the unseen and to be willing to take a risk and go into the unseen. Mm-hmm. So part of a, what a leader has, from a spiritual leader has, if they're going to really follow hard after God and, and lead others into that, that pursuit as well, is they've got to have faith, right? And that faith is an mm-hmm. influencer. And then the other thing that, that is cool, that I never heard it said this way, and this is the way I'm going to wordsmith a little bit. You, you use both the words. It's invite and inspire. What I heard you say is as far as really influencing people, you sought to, and you train your staff to influence people by inviting them in. What do you, what do you, what, you know, inviting and then inspiring them in the work so that there's kind of this invite inspire that's part of it. And, and knowing you, hearing you, feeling you, seeing you, absolutely who who Jeff is. It's definitely part of your influencing uh, muscle that you exercise as, as, a, as a leader. Sometimes it's it's part of the, the burden too, where you, you try to inspire, encourage people and they're like, really? And you know, sometimes you, you feel like you have to kind of believe it for them first. Right. And then the like, faith part. Okay. Yeah. Actually I can, I can, I can join into this. I can see this. So yes. yeah. Yeah. That's good. Fun part of it. I'm getting sharpened here today, brother. It's good stuff. Discontent, dissatisfaction, plus vision, plus influence, plus sacrifice, Mm. (laughs) right? Leadership's costly. Mm. I heard a guy say years ago, you know, often organizations stop growing when the cost gets too high. Specifically, they're talking about for the leader, from the leadership psyche Mm -hmm. and perspective. They're no longer willing to pay the price of leadership for this thing to continue to grow. It's not comfortable. Like to grow, to expand, to take on more. It's exciting on the front end, but pretty quickly you start going, ooh, there's a burden, there's a sacrifice for me to be to play this role and for us to take another step, for us to add another dimension, for us to bring on more people. I'd love to hear you speak into some of the sacrifice that goes in, in a leadership. I think there's... I mean, there, there's tangible sacrifices and then there's, you know, even just things that, 
you know, I've, I've experienced in caring internally, you know, mm-hmm. and being called to, to work in kids ministry at a summer camp, quote unquote, summer camp, you know, the constant question is, well, what do you do the rest of the year? You know, <laughs> so there's this, this kind of this prevailing sense sometimes like, oh, you do a summer camp. That's nice. What, what, what's going to be your real job someday? You know, <laughs> so there, there's almost this laying on the altar saying, okay, Lord, you've called me here. I'm going to, I've got to sacrifice just personal prestige in the eyes of maybe the world, you know, and, mm. um, you know, there's been seasons where that's, that has really been forefront and I've been able to, having experienced that, I'm able to walk through that with some of our, our staff that are kind of experiencing that too. Like, well, all my peers are getting their, these glorious jobs and stuff. And I feel like I'm, I'm still, I'm working at summer camp. I'm like, you are impacting the eternity of kids who are going to grow up to be leaders and influence their families and communities. Like there's no higher and holy calling than what we do. <laughs> it just might not be viewed that way. So That's good. there is a, a sacrifice of, I guess, maybe ego, <laughs> maybe yeah. so to speak. Um, with with what we're doing here, uh, but it is it is a it's a time thing, you know, for us. And I've I've always kind of been playing with this idea of of balance. Like, how do you? Because summer camp for us, like we are all in in the summer. And so when I my my prime time is you know May June is we we work with our leadership team. We have to be pouring out so much time and energy to train, equip, to develop so that the heart of our summer ministry can truly happen. And I've experienced it where there's, there's years where I want to play it easy. I want to kind of, Mm. you know, sit back and, you know, and then you're all summer long, all season long, you're fighting these battles. And so it's like the pain is just prolonged. Whereas we can put our head down focus, train, develop, you know, and yeah, I'm, I'm lack of sleep, lack of maybe personal time, you know, I have to lay those down, but to do my job right, to prepare my people for what their calling is, then it's, there's this element of, I can sit back and there, there's this, this rhythm to that where now I move from training, developing, and just, you know, a lot of, of sacrifice to, getting to reap the benefits of seeing people grow and flourish and develop and walk alongside of them. Um, you know, I think practically, you know, as my kids, like we don't like, we're probably won't be taking a summer vacation because that's when we're, you know, as a family, we're all engaged in, in summer camp. Um, but I think that's kind of rewarded back to us through getting to vacation and off season times when things aren't busy. Um, and honestly, as my kids grow, the the sacrifice that they have had to make, and we've talked to them from the time they were young of like, you know, it's not just mom and dad working at camp, like you guys are sharing us and, and you being willing to allow us to spend time with, with other people's kids during the summer more, you know, that's impacting them. And you guys are a part of that with us. And so now it's fun to see them grow. And their heart is, I want to be a part of this. And so for that season of sacrifice and maybe time early on in the summer with our kids, stewarding that in that way is now they feel like they're a part of this and they want to serve and and be involved as well. And that's a tricky thing. I feel like God calls us to sacrifice, but it doesn't go unnoticed. And I think, you know, 
he's he's going to reward in, in this life and the next. You know, it's interesting as you're talking, Jeff, because I, I think this would probably be pretty common for leaders. And there's probably seasons where we're really in touch with a, a sacrifice because we're feeling it because it's we're being called on for a sacrifice to see this thing go and grow. But there's plenty of times that it's just not where your brain goes. You're expending yourself and being spent in the pursuit of this vision that is burning in your heart, uh, but yet it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. You love what you yeah. do. You yeah. love who you're doing it with. You're experiencing God's pleasure in the midst of it. And so to process it and go, I guess it's a sacrifice, you know, it doesn't necessarily yeah. often feel that way for the leader. It becomes just so much your reality of what you know. Cause like, you know, again, I don't think about this hardly at all anymore, but like every, every once in a while I kind of process like, oh, most of my team after the day's done, they're done. They're not thinking about it. They're not like, they don't have any responsibilities past that. What, whatever window, like it never ends for the leader, right? The, the responsibility never ends. The workday never is done. I'm not saying that you don't create balance in your life, but like, you can't just go, someone else is thinking about that. Someone else is handling that. Someone else is staying aware of that. Like it, that's just part of the constantness of, that's a new word I just made up, of, 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 of of leadership and you think about just the responsibility and the weight of responsibility that's on the shoulder of the leader i think about or paul said and over my deep concern over the church right he was just this constant concern that was there uh, that was a price that had to be paid and you know another one for me is criticism Mm-hmm. You know, it's the leaders out front, and uh, which means they are in crosshairs and easy to see. Mm-hmm. And the leader is exposed, right? So it's easy to like you. If you're sitting back and you're not leading, then you're not being exposed either, typically, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the more you lead, the more your imperfections are get shown as well. And, and so there's, but there's, and people are just critical. Do you remember the first time I read a book, and it was super helpful because I was just starting to get to have my first like professional leadership experience. And all of a sudden this missile of criticism came out of nowhere. And I was like, where did that come from? And what did I do to to deserve that? Because all I'm trying to do is serve here. And I read a book by Chuck Swindoll called Hand Me Another Brick. But he said uh, the whole chapter was on criticism. Mm -hmm. It was so helpful to me because it normalized the fact that like part of leadership is you're going to be criticized. You can't get away from the criticism dynamic within leadership. Has that been true of you? Yeah, I was just thinking on how how even so that's true with you know when you talk about spiritual leadership there's there's a spiritual warfare aspect of things yes, too and totally you got people that are taking shots at you or attacking mm, so what good. you're doing and they don't know why it's just it's there that there's that's that really good we, i know we had a years ago we had a a family not send their kid back and they were complaining that oh man just my, my kid just comes home and they're just too happy and they're just having so much fun. And that's just not the way life really is. And, you know, as we kind of dig in with his family, you know, they're, they're, they're self-proclaimed atheists. And so mm-hmm. as you kind of start digging in, you realize there's this uncomfortability that my kid's a part of experiencing God's love and we don't want to accept that. So the, the reason we'll give of why we want to maybe pull away is that our kids are having too much fun. They're, they're, they're too happy. They're being loved to it. And you're like, this is even... 
it doesn't sense. make sense, you know? And so you just kind of recognize, okay, there are forces at work here that we can only come yeah, against. So good. And years later, that family reengages and, and cool. stuff. And so, but as you say that, Jeff, that's one of the thoughts I've had over the years. So I'm glad that you brought that up is, you know, that obviously we see leaders fall too far too often, right? And it, and it grieves all of our hearts for them and for that which they led and for that which they could have continued to go on and make an impact with, right? There's a lot of loss when you lose a leader. Uh, but I, I often I often think to myself and and say to those around me, like, hold on now, just just remember not to excuse the failing of that leader, but to act like what that leader was facing is the same thing that is the guy who's disengaged on the sitting on the back pew doing nothing, who is isn't a threat to our adversary. <laughs> Like to say that it's the same isn't fair. It isn't accurate. It isn't helpful because the reality of it is what that leader was, the the intensity of what that leader was faced with. And no excuses. If you step in that leadership, you got to make sure you have the integrity. You got to make sure you have the armor on to recognize that what that leader was faced with that led to his demise in part was a level of opposition, spiritual opposition that someone who's not leading doesn't know. Don't think it's apples and apples because it's apples and oranges. That's, I mean, I think as a leader, you, yeah, like you said, you put yourself out there and you, you quote unquote, sign up for, for that journey. Mm -hmm. And you got to realize, yeah, I mean, we have an adversary who's prowling around ready to destroy and devour. Like that's not like, Hey, I'm just going to, kind of mess with you. It's like uh, his intent is to destroy. And so, yeah, absolutely. you know, and I think and, that's, and who's he going to focus on? That, yeah. He doesn't play, <laughs> he didn't play nice or fair. They, I remember watching, you know, old civil war movie. There was an understanding is, is you don't shoot the generals, right? <laughs> that is not <laughs> the way our adversary plays. He's not, he doesn't yeah. play fair and go, ah, I'm going to play polite, polite war here. I'm not going to shoot the leader. No, no. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to yeah. keep that leader in the crosshairs and say, I'm going to try all with, with everything in me to take that leader down. Let's pray for our leaders. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Last part of the equation. So dissatisfaction plus vision plus influence plus sacrifice divided by over brokenness. So again, from a spiritual leadership, I remember there was a quote by uh, actually A.W. Tozer, which I'm sure you're familiar with him, says, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he hurts him deeply. Mm. I'm a sobering statement, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there is this whole thing of there's a brokenness that uh, for God to use, because because again, spiritual leadership isn't about pride. It isn't about self. It isn't about flesh. Spiritual leadership is about, I call it the first following. It's about following after God as that leader with faith and humility and dependence, right? And a lot of times that humility and dependence uh, comes out of brokenness, right? So yeah, I guess I do. As you think back in your life and your leadership, but what would you say was, was a significant kind of a breaking experience that God walked you through that brought about a greater degree of dependence on him? Yeah. I mean, right away, like the for me, the the big the big experience with this was before we had even started um, our first summer out here. We had moved across country. We have a six month old. We don't have jobs. We're trying to start this camp and we have nobody registered for camp. We have mm. money in the bank is starting to dwindle that we had saved to start this thing. And, um, you know, people are like, what are you guys doing? You know, and 
it's uh, I'm feeling this. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels and I'm talking to people and we're renovating properties and we're doing all this stuff that was the right stuff to do. But I was very much had moved into, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And I just remember waking up one Sunday morning, completely discouraged and frustrated. And I'm like, come on, Lord, you called us here to do this camp. Where, where are the kids? Where are the people? Where's, um, you know, the, the support for this thing. And I was in such a funk. I mean, I drug my feet getting ready for church and I, we ended up missing church uh, where we were going to go. And so like, ah, oh, we'll go to this other church as a late service. We'll go to it. And we got there late. Cause you know, I'm just in this, you know, sadly, <laughs> sad state of pouting. And, uh, and that's where I think the Lord was like, okay, it's, it's time. And so we, we walk in and, um, as soon as we, we, we get in and find our seats, this, the, the song that they start, um, singing is that, that song, um, you are God alone. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the things that God is not, and he's not dependent on man and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And as you get to the, the chorus, it says, you are God alone in the good times and the bad you're on your throne. And like, it was for me, what I needed, like it, it broke me. And mm-hmm. I realized here I am trying to do God's work without God. And I'm doing it mm-hmm. in my own strength and I'm just spinning my wheels. And he reminded me, Hey, I got this. Like I called you here. I'm on my throne. The, the, the situation could look good or bad. That doesn't matter. I haven't changed. And uh, so for me, it was just, it was a morning where, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I wept for the first time in a long time. And just this, this sense of confession of like, Lord, I'm sorry for, for trying to put myself on your seat. Um, this is your, this is your camp, whatever you want to do with it, it's yours. And that was a moment of true surrender in my life to say, okay, uh, whatever happens, Lord, I'm, I'm in the answer is yes, uh, your time and your space. And it like the very next week, um, like that's all it took for this this release and this this next week somebody shows up with a check for you know funds that we're like whoa we needed that and then I get a call from an organization um, that said hey can we send some kids and then I said sure that'd be great and then they call back a few minutes later say actually can we just fill a whole session of your camp so <laughs> within you know one phone call a quarter of our summer was full and it just it, again like that brought me back to praise and say okay Lord you are in this this is your mm-hmm. thing I again, like it's, it's you. And so I needed that as the years have unfolded, I've never forgotten that this isn't, this isn't my camp. I didn't do, I didn't start Camp Sunshine. I didn't grow Camp Sunshine. This is God's camp. He's, he's got a plan and purpose for it. And those are lessons that from time to time you you catch yourself just trying to strive too hard. And then you realize, wait a minute, what is God's plan in this? And Mm -hmm. it's, that's been a a big journey. That's awesome. I love it. Love it. So good. So my equation worked for you. <laughs> it, it did. It, it did. Yeah. yeah. Dissatisfaction yeah. plus vision plus influence plus sacrifice divided by, I got to get self out of the way, <laughs> divided by brokenness yeah. uh, equals yeah. leadership. And, and absolutely, again, as I've gotten to know you over the last number of years and seen what God's done through you and your wife and your leadership, clearly the equation worked and God's worked through that equation in your life and brought about a great work there at Camp Sunshine. I want to end with a rapid fire here. <laughs> and so all these theoretically can live longer, but I, they're quick. Single greatest influential leader that you've been around? I think my um, early in my leadership journey, it was my um, 
my executive director out in Maryland, Nathan Haas, was um, a guy that I just watched lead through a lot of pain, um, lead through a lot of difficult circumstances, and just seeing how he walked through stuff. I mean, he's he's a guy I'll still call, and I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, what do you think? And you know, my wife and I laugh. We're like, what what would Nate do? Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of kind of think about that. So he was definitely an influence for me. Good. Favorite leadership book? Man, okay, this is this is this has been an influential book. It's yeah. It's uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones wrote it years ago. It's a read it in 30 minutes called Life is Tremendous. And um, it has been it has been one of my favorites. And it just talks about how the law of leadership is really learning to live. And, you know, as we live life to the fullest, that's going to attract people to want to follow along. So really, really good. Single best leadership advice you've ever been given. Oh man, I've gotten a lot of great, <laughs> great advice. So for, it's not about you. And mm. maybe kind of, we touched on that a little bit here this morning, but mm. yeah, it's definitely not about me. Mm. All right. Favorite tool. My drill. <laughs> <laughs> so favorite leadership, productivity, a hack, like life hack, like what's your favorite kind of Oh man. Technology. I, okay. The, my, my plug, uh, just being a part of, uh, my bridge momentum, we get these, these, uh, these little notebooks every once in a while. And that has been, um, I just, I, my life is in there. I, I make lists, I make notes, my reflections and just having a place to capture my thinking. And that's been, been really good. I love awesome. that. Analog tool. Love it. Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great answer. Well, brother, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, I, I could go on. There's other tracks that were in my head that we could have gone down, but thank you for taking the time. Hey, thank you. This has been rich and rewarding, and I just appreciate what you do to, to sharpen leaders. So thank you. Thanks for listening to How He's Building This, stories of the extraordinary work of God through ordinary leaders like you. We'll see you next time.